welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 178 for Saturday the 9th of November 2019. Coming up this week, we're in the penultimate week of my rapid release sequence. Next week, I switch to a 28-day release cycle. I've got my updated sales numbers for September and October to include Now You See Her. And the good news is we're over half a million page reads now. And I had to completely overhaul my schedule this week due to a last-minute panic and a broken computer. First, let's take a look at this week's rapid release update. And my week nine release was the female protagonist box set. This is the second box set that I've released as part of this 10 week sequence. So included in that box set were Friends Who Lie. That is the updated revised version of Who to Trust. Also a brand new book, which was written especially to complete that uh, box set. That's two weeks after a standalone, which I released a couple of weeks ago. And No More Secrets, which is, of course, another uh, re-edited book that used to be called Burden of Guilt. So two uh, re-releases there and one brand new book. And that's now allowed me to package those as a box set. Now, that was strategic on my part. When I was looking at the books that I had, I wanted to be able to box set up my standalones. So box set one, if you recall, is an adventure box set. It's got kind of just normal adventure thrillers, uh, suspense books, uh, uh, they've been batched into three. And then I had two books that just coincidentally had female protagonists. There was no design on my part. But when I was looking at how I could, if you want to uh, market those those books, I thought, well, if I write another book with a female protagonist, that works. And I can sell it as a female protagonist box set and then target that um, mainly towards uh, female readers. So um, again, that's another bit of my business tidied up if you want uh, going forward. And so next week uh, we move into the next trilogy. Everything's nice and tidy now. You've got the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. You've got the Adventure box set. You've got the Female Protagonist box set. And now the next three books are going to be my next trilogy. And strategically to have another trilogy, you know that I've been living if you want or dining out or don't tell Meg I think it has it had four book bubs now been dining out on that book for the last couple of years and so what I'm hoping is that this Walker Bay trilogy will be as nice to me as don't tell Meg has been so that in effect I've got it will give me four trilogies that I can keep submitting to BookBub. Now, you don't get a BookBub every time. And just because you've had a BookBub doesn't mean you're going to get another BookBub. But generally, it's like Russian roulette. If you just keep clicking, you're bound to get a bang at some point. And, and that's the same with BookBub. So um, it gives me four permutations then that I can launch on BookBub. But the other thing is, is that because I've also got a box set for the adventure series of thrillers and I've got a box set for female protagonists, what I think I will probably also do is to put those box sets on 99 pence or cents promos on BookBub. This won't be now, it'll be in the new year because a, a three pack, you know, a box set's going to sell really well at 99 pence and cents. And at either side, all over the book, I've got uh, promotions for the other books that I've written. So I think that it's a really good value pack and I will probably start to, I, you see, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd have the confidence to sell on BookBub on a 99 pence or cents promo, a standalone book. But I think the value of a trilogy is so great at 99 pence and cents, I think that would really fly on BookBub. And I would be reasonably confident, now I got decent covers on those books, that I'd at least make my money back and perhaps make a bit of profit and hopefully drive massive traffic um, across my books so that if people like those three books, they would then maybe go on to read some others. So, um, you know, strategically, that's all pretty neat stuff. It does feel exciting to be launching the first book of a new trilogy. You know what I feel about trilogies. I haven't written series and trilogies have just worked really well for me. So um, that I guess you, you stick to what you know and you stick to what works for you. And although I keep write, thinking about writing a series, I, I can never quite bring myself to do it because I, I just know that trilogies work so well. And I, I dare get into a series. Maybe 
next year. I'm beginning to think quite a lot about what comes next, actually, what's going to come in the new year, because my the end of this year, effectively, obviously, I've got to finish off the book I'm writing at the moment, which is Truth Be Told. I'll talk to you about that in a moment or two. Uh, I've got to get Circle of Lies edited. And so these releases, these books take me through until February of 2020. And I'm really thinking long and hard about what comes next, what I'm going to write next. What I can tell you is I want to break from thrillers. So this year I've written eight books, or I would have written eight books. Three of those at the beginning of the year were sci-fi books, and then the other five have been thrillers. So I need a palate cleanser now from thrillers. And really what I'm scratching my head over is, is that going to be more sci-fi or is that going to be some non-fiction? That's really what my my dilemma is. So you'll hear me pontificating about that, dithering and delaying. And then by the time we get to the end of December, and I'm telling you what my quarter one 2020 goals are, I would have uh, set my course and made my mind up with that. And obviously I'll share that with you as soon as I've made a decision. But all of these things are swirling around my head at the moment. But I, I, I'm pretty confident it's probably going to be sci-fi. That's what I think it's going to be next. So on Monday, we start the first book of a new trilogy. It's Left for Dead, and we're into 28-day release cycles now. I've raised the prices of my books now, so everything has been for sale at 99 pence or cents. And this week, I raised my prices. So in the UK, my books are £1.99, which is the lowest I can price them to get a 70% royalty. And in the States and elsewhere, they're priced at $2.99 uh, so that I can take those 70% royalties. So now my strategy is going to be, I want to start pulling money off the other books. I want to start making some money and generating some income. But my main sort of promotional effort is going to be towards now the Morecambe Bay trilogy. That's where I want to push everybody into that Morecambe Bay trilogy. I'd like to get some reviews on that ready for a, a book pub in the new year. So um, I think my priority is going to be to get reviews on Left for Dead now. That has to be my driver to get reviews on Left for Dead ready for January when I can submit that trilogy to Bookbub. So fingers crossed. Um, you know, let's do that. If you like reading thrillers or you've read my thrillers and you enjoy them, don't, don't, please don't ask if you don't enjoy them or you don't like thrillers. Cause what I'm after is clearly I want, uh, you know, the best chance that I've got of getting decent reviews here. But if you are in that zone and you would be happy to take a, a, a free copy of that book, uh, you know, to read it and to give me, um, again, it, it has to be a genuine review. So don't ask for it if you're not going to like it. That's really what I'm saying to you. Uh, you know, if that's not your kind of book, if you haven't read one of my books before and you, you stand a chance of picking it up and hating it, don't touch it, please. But if you have read my books and you like them and you're happy to, um, you know, take a free copy and leave a review, that would be very, uh, welcome thank you very much for that so you know if, if you think there's a very good chance that you'll leave a four or a five star review then let me know and i'll send you um, a copy of it uh, via what's it called book funnel so you can you could do that for me i've no um changes to report you know at this stage i should be telling you that i'm a millionaire uh, and that i'm actually recording this in the bahamas from the uh, new beach hut residence that i've just purchased with my amazon income uh, but strangely that hasn't happened yet and I'll give you my full thoughts and breakdown on that uh, next week. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what's going on and what's happened. And, and I'm going to give you my sales numbers updated with Now You See Her uh, during this episode. Um, but uh, I, I don't want to sort of um, preempt next week's special episode when I'll talk you through rapid release and give you my thoughts on it. And clearly, rapid release is not over. It's just we've when we release the next book, Left for Dead on Monday, we're just at the point in the sequence where we go to the 28-day cycle. So let me talk to you about this week's schedule change. Been a bit of a devil of a week, this one. I'm recording this episode on my cronky old laptop. And, and those of you who uh, can sort of hear it over the creaking of my chair, they also hear the fan on this laptop going uh, occasionally. And at the moment, I, I don't... I know people have said when I photographed my study before, it's untidy, but it's not untidy to me. I've got everything out of the way. But at the moment, I've had to run cables from one of my screens into the laptop, and I've had to run the cable from my microphone into the laptop. And, and, it, and I've got the laptop to my left-hand side here, and I've plugged it into one of my big screens so I can recreate my real PC experience. But I had a blue screen of death this week on my main PC. And I, I think I may have told you a week or two ago, I was having trouble with the graphics card. I've had some, some disruption with it. And basically one of my kids, when, I, when I'm when i out my study at nine o'clock at night, one of my kids comes in because 
they like using the you know the big screens and uh, plays a, a game on my PC. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. But when I got my replacement graphics card, which was just a simple thing, it cost about 25 quid or something. I, I, got, I just bought the cheapest one I could find, plugged it and it was perfect for me, but it didn't allow this game to run. So uh, because I'm just such a lovely dad, I went hunting for a, another graphics card and it's just been a devil of a job. I, I had one graphics card sent that was supposed to do the job. I plugged it in and it didn't work. And then I got another graphics card. And for some reason, these things are just supposed to be plug and play. It's not supposed to be, diff not supposed to be difficult. You just plug it in and it's supposed to work. Well, anyhow, it, it screwed up my computer. I got a blue screen of death earlier this week. And the, you know, those of you who know how fast I'm working at the moment know that I could be doing without that at the moment. I need my tech working at the moment. So I've, I've had this ridiculous situation I think it was about since about Tuesday or Wednesday when I've had the side off my computer tower. I've been putting in different uh, graphics cards. I've got three of the blasted things. I've got two that I got from eBay and this one replacement, but none of them worked. I just don't know what happened. We've had a fatal error somewhere. And it, and it, and it, um, I don't want to over, over geek this, but it, it changed the boot up order in some way. Now, normally with, with normal boot up problems, I can usually figure those out, but this one has completely beaten me. I don't know what's going on with it. So I, I've been, basically I had to switch to the, the laptop, my cronky old laptop. I had to install Scrivener on there. And let me tell you, the lesson of the week is always make sure you've backed everything up in the cloud because when I write on Scrivener, the Scrivener files are saved to a Dropbox folder. So the minute they're there, they're backed up in the cloud. So um, I, it hasn't sort of disrupted me in terms of me being able to download the latest edited version of my Scrivener document for truth be told. I just downloaded it to the laptop and I've been working on that, but clearly there've been some disruptions. So when I opened Scrivener, the settings weren't the way I have them on my PC. I had to download Camtasia so that I could record this uh, podcast this week. And it's just been massively disruptive. And today when I was doing my writing, I, I've been uh, but basically, I didn't realize when I bought this computer, the default program from the restore disk was Windows 8, for goodness sake. Um, I, I've had Windows 10 on it for ages. So I, I've basically had to go through, when I finally managed to restore it, uh, I've been on Windows 8, and then it's allowed me to go to Windows 8.1. And now I'm trying to get the, as I'm speaking on my second screen, because I've got two different screens plugged into two different computers. And literally, as I'm speaking to you, I'm in updated recovery, and I'm waiting to try and get the free Windows 10 upgrade that you got from Windows 8.1 to 10. That all feels like a long, long time ago now. But it takes forever to do this when you're trying to get the operating system upgraded. So um, I, I had a completely dead computer for two days this week, and it was only because I was just so persistent with it. I just kept trying it and trying it and pressing the F12 button and pressing the F8 and trying every article I could find online that I finally got to a restore situation. So at least we have a computer that looks like I'm going to be able to use it. But um, I thought for a moment I might have to buy a new one. So that's been incredibly disruptive this week. And when I was uh, you know, uh, writing today, um, I, well, it, let's put it this way. It had to it changed the order of my week. I'll, I'll tell you about something else first, and then I'll tell you about today's writing session. So my PC crashed. And then also um, with Left for Dead, uh, I first draft edited it. He went to Julie to, 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 to do a proper edit on it. I ran through Julie's edits and then I make changes based on Julie's suggestions. And I'd submitted that copy as my, as my inverted commas final version of Left for Dead. But because I did that about a month ago, I thought, well, I got plenty of time to read this at leisure. So I put the file on my paper white and I've been reading Left for Dead at my leisure just to, just to triple check it through, um, in the mornings over breakfast and I started getting those nag emails that you get from Amazon telling me that Left 4 Dead needed to be submitted by this Thursday. So yesterday as I'm recording this. And for those of you who've not done this before, when you put a book on pre-order, you have to actually have the file ready four days before the book is released. So even though the release date's Monday, I had to have it ready by close of play yesterday on Thursday. Um, and, and that often catches people out, by the way, the first time they put a book on pre-order. It certainly did me when I did it. So um, the, the problem then was that while I was reading that book, I thought, oh, I've I was getting those, I got those nag emails. I thought I better get a move on with this and get it finished because this book is out. And I'm feeling particularly jittery about Left for Dead because I've got this um, blog tour going on. Sarah Hardy has organized a blog tour for me. Uh, and a blog tour effectively means that I've given people pre-order copies. And, it, and I did flag it up that it was, uh, you know, it was due a final edit when I sent it out. 
and um, it went a month before it was ready to release. And as you know, when you're on a tight schedule like I'm on, a, a month is an eternity in terms of the changes and the work that you can get done. So I, I, t to get that blog to, I had to early release a copy. And that's the version that I've been editing. And I speeded up my edit this week to make sure I had it finished. Um, and also because my PC had crashed, I couldn't do my normal edits in Scrivener. Uh, so I, I thought I'll prioritize Left 4 Dead. And I found two minor continuity errors that we'd all missed. So, you know, this has been through a number of hands and I was reading it. And to be honest with you, I find it much easier to read on a paper. I hate editing on a computer. And another lesson I've learned this week is that I'm going to, I'm going to do a final read of my books on a paper white because I find it far easier. Um, you know, to consume it like a normal book rather than a, a file on a screen that I'm editing. And I just saw loads more stuff when I was reading it on a paperwhite, but I spotted two continuity errors this week. And um, when I mentioned them to my wife and she said, oh, oh yeah, you know, she's, she's only just read it, read it. She's the last one to have read it. And when I told her these things, she, she kind of got it, but she'd passed them by in the book and so had I. And, uh, you know, it was just easy to miss. If you blink, you miss it. It was one of those things. So, I have made some changes. I spotted a couple of errors that I'd made when I was uh, making, when, you know, when Julie had said that you might want to rewrite this or add some extra words or a bit more description. I spotted a couple of errors that I'd made when I was doing that work as well. So I needed to get back in that file and sort it. So, um, I, and, and I'm nervous about it, not only because obviously I've got this blog tour on, but it's a silly little thing, but somebody I used to work with at the BBC who actually, um, lives in Morecambe or lived in Morecambe was brought up in Morecambe had had posted on Twitter that, oh, I'm definitely going to get this one. I know Paul from our, you know, I, I, we used to work together at the BBC. And also she, she got she got married in the Midland Hotel, which is one of the, the hotels that I feature, not in book one, but in books two and three, it, it features as a, a location quite a lot. So obviously she's she's really interested in it because it covers her hometown. And and I'm, all, I'm always okay when I'm just releasing books into the wild and there's not like inverted commas, a real person reading it that I know. I don't mind that because it's going out to anonymous people. And obviously, you know, if you get a, a one star review as I did last week, that's fairly bruising, but it, it's different when people that you know are looking at it. So this, this one just has made me a bit more jittery, which is why I did this last really careful read. So anyhow, I managed to get that. Um, and of course I've been doing this on pieced together computers this week as well. So everything's been slower than it normally would have been. Um, so I, I did that last edit of Left 4 Dead. And I decided I had to prioritize this week. So I didn't write yesterday on Thursday. I was due to write on Thursday and I didn't. I, I just decided I've had so many kind of technical issues this week. And it's been, I've been like a fish out of water because I'm working on a laptop that doesn't have everything where I need it. I've had to be downloading files from uh, Dropbox to, to retrieve them and then get the settings right in the software. So it's been a real pain this week. It's been like wading through treacle. Um, but I got my Left 4 Dead file finished yesterday. Um, I prioritized that over writing because I was on a deadline there. I, you know, I had to prioritize this week. So anyhow, Left 4 Dead is there. Those changes are made and I'm as confident as I can be that it's good to go. Um, I am a bit nervous because although I had flagged it up with Sarah Hardy before she distributed the files, um, obviously the reviewers have had an earlier had an earlier release. So I hope they I hope they judge it on story rather than getting all pernickety about things. You know, I hope they're looking for story um, rather than saying, you know, oh, that was graphically incorrect or anything like that. So anyhow, we'll soon find out, won't we? Um, but Left 4 Dead is out in the wild next week. And again, I, I suppose this is a, a plot spoiler. One of the things I'll be talking to you about next week in my summary of this rapid release schedule is is whether it's a good thing to release on that weekly cycle because as, as you can tell it's been quite punishing in terms of turnaround and so long as everything goes to plan so long as you don't hit a hitch it's okay but when you hit a hitch like I did this week it got a little bit stressful this week and I really um I woke up one morning I was feeling a little bit stressed by it and I thought okay all you got to do you know take a deep breath and just put things in the order that they have to be done and delivered and when I did that what was quite clear to me was that I had to not write on Thursday. I had to prioritize Left 4 Dead. I had to cut myself some slack because I'm trying to get a PC installed, you know, trying to get a PC going. Um, and, and I'm trying to work on a dodgy PC, which isn't my normal, you know, PC where things aren't where I need them. So it has been uh, quite a difficult week uh, this week. 
Um, however, I've got my words done um, on Saturday the 2nd. This is So these are the words I've written since we last spoke. On Saturday the 2nd of November, I wrote 5,057 words of truth be told. I got 5,102 words on Sunday the 3rd. And then today, which is Friday, I should have been writing yesterday. But what I've done, instead of writing on Thursday, I've written today. And I wasn't going to write tomorrow, which is Saturday as I record this, but I will write tomorrow. I said to you that I, I generally prefer not to write on a park run day. It's quite nice for me to do a park run and hang around and have a chat afterwards. But when I, on a day when I do park run and write, I'm up, out, do my run. And then the minute I've crossed the line and, and, and handed in my, resu my results tokens, I'm straight in the car park, in the car, in the shower and at my desk. So it, it's just a faster turnaround than I would like, but I can I can still get the writing done uh, and I will get the writing done tomorrow. And so I reckon that by the time we head off to, well, we're heading off to Manchester Airport tomorrow night at about, um, it's about half five, six o'clock, I think. I can't remember what time the train goes. We're heading off to the airport and then we fly on Sunday. I reckon that I will be back up to date by the time we do that. So when my wife is at work tomorrow, uh, I will get all that work done that was my backlog um, that, that was created as a result of these computer problems this week and that little panic was left for dead and I will be where I wanted to be when we head off to Berlin. So that's nice. It means I can go away, have a couple of days away, have a nice little break um, and everything. I don't feel agitated because I haven't done what I set out to do. All my targets have been hit. I must tell you that today, though, was a tortuous day of writing and it was tortuous not because... Um, there was any problem with the story. It was tortuous because I've been, I've got the screen in front of me had Scrivener on it and I was writing on that. And the screen to the right of me is plugged into my computer tower and I've been running updates and clicking restart. And, and at the moment it's, it's bringing in what I hope is going to be the Windows 10 upgrade. It's just chugging away in the background here. Um, and, and so I was completely distracted. Now, you know that the secret to me getting 5,000 words done is that I, I turn off the internet, I turn off the phone, I turn off all distractions, and I write in one hour undistracted blocks. Now today is an indication of what happens when I'm distracted because I was constantly looking at this screen. Do I need to do anything? Do I need to restart it? Effectively, I was writing, I was doing two jobs at once and you simply can't do that. You've got to turn off distractions. So I started writing at 10 o'clock and I think I got finished at 2.30. Normally I might be finished as early as one if I'm if I'm sort of cooking on gas and not distracted. So, uh, you know, the words came, I knew what the story was, no problem with the story. It's just that it was type a bit, fiddle a bit, type a bit, fiddle a bit. And it really doesn't work like that. So it was not an enjoyable day of writing, even though the story is fine. By the time I finish writing tomorrow, then I will be halfway through my NaNoWriMo target. So I'm about 20 odd thousand words of NaNoWriMo targets at the moment written since November. Uh, I'll be halfway over halfway through by the time I finish writing on Saturday. And then obviously I've just got another 25,000 words to write by the end of November. And I will have those words written again. If, if, if my laptop doesn't explode now, I'm going to have that book finished on the 22nd of November, plenty of time before the end of November. And then um, we're into editing mode again. So yeah, interesting old week, but uh, the targets got hit, the work got done, NaNoWriMo targets, although they're just for fun and superfluous, they will get hit as well. And the book, the book, you know, it just simply has to be ready when I'm working this fast, it has to be ready. Uh, Ju Julie Cordner is expecting this book and she's expecting it first draft edited. Um, when are you waiting for it, Julie? On the 1st of December. And next week, when I come back from Berlin, Julie will have Morecambe Bay 2, Circle of Lies, ready for me to edit. So what I have to do very quickly is when I get back from Berlin, I'm going to very quickly edit, I said very quickly, I mean, this is going to be my priority. My priority is going to be to work through Julie's edits and suggestions for Morecambe Bay 2. And then I have to get back to Morecambe Bay 3 so that it is first draft edited and written by the time Julie needs it by Sunday the 1st of December. And at that point, I will be able to relax a little. Now I will work through Julie's edits on Morecambe Bay 2 when I get back from Berlin, and that book will then be uploaded to Amazon. I'll send the 
Moby file over to my Kindle Paperwhite. And, and as I did with Left 4 Dead, I'll read it at my leisure and do a super, super edit of that where I'm really reading closely. And the sorts of things I was changing were uh, things where I've used the same word in, in proximity to, you know, twice, maybe in a paragraph, things like that I don't really like. When, when you're reading it as a book rather than as an edit, I find that much easier to spot. So I do think I'm going to introduce an extra stage to my editing. and that And that's good to be after I've taken it back from the editor and worked through those edits and then done a very thorough spell check on it, I'm then going to put it to my Kindle Paperwhite and read it as if I were reading a book because I really do seem to spot more things that way. So in terms of my writing, I'm going to write tomorrow, obviously, and then after that, I'm clear until Thursday, the 14th of November, uh, which is the first day I'm back at my desk um, after returning from Berlin. I've also managed to get some editing done this week, but that editing profile or process has also been disrupted this week. So all of this week, I was supposed to be editing, truth be told, the book I'm currently writing. I was supposed to be editing that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. But what I had to do was disrupt that schedule. So I edited, truth be told, this is first draft edit before it goes to Julie. I edited it on Monday and then I went to finish Left for Dead on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then I returned to Truth Be Told last night on Thursday. After I've recorded and processed this podcast, I'm going to do another three chapters tonight. And then I'm going to do some tomorrow. And that brings me bang up to date. I've then edited everything I've written at that point, And I'm free to go off to Berlin. So whew, I think we're going to get there. I'm sure we, well, we are going to get there. We're definitely going to get there. So that's my rapid release and my writing news. Let's move on to some other things. Um, I wanted to give you my final sales numbers for September and October. When I spoke to you last week, I had my own sales numbers, but I hadn't got from Adam the now you see her numbers. Now, um, again, I, I'm not going to give you the money here, but I'll give you the sales numbers. Um, and remember, there are no freebies in this. This is only sales. I'm, I've just completely counted uh, free copies in these numbers. Um, and the majority of these books, but not exclusively, were sold at 99 pence or cents. So you could do rough calculations yourself. Um, but adding now you see her numbers into the mix, in September, I sold 2,394 books. And in October, I sold 1,996 books. And my page reads, this is where the numbers really did bump up, uh, page reads for September and October were 656,230. And that just feels a bit more like it. I think I was saying last week that it felt just a little bit low to me, uh, but that feels a lot better to me. That, that feels more like it. Uh, it's about on a par with what I got with that very good first uh, BookBub promotion that I did on Don't Tell Meg. So, um, I don't know, you know, you, you tell me that's more sales than I've ever made. That the problem has been that if those sales had been made at 199 or 299, that would have been a lot more lucrative for me. But because they were made at 0.99 or most of them were made at 0.99, hasn't been that massively lucrative uh, for me. But you know, it's been a good couple of months. It'll be a good couple of months as you would expect, but um, it's not doing the sorts of numbers that I was talking about Adam doing when he did his rapid release. And I'll, I'll kind of review, review all of that with you um, when I do my detailed summary next week. But of course, I now have put the prices up. And uh, just to let you know again, a sneak preview of next week, the difference, I've done something slightly different from Adam in that Adam generally released his books at 99 pence or cents, and then he put his price up. Whereas I've kept my prices low um, throughout the whole 10 weeks of the rapid release. I've gone entirely for shifting units. Now I'm putting the price up. And of course, we're still into a 28-day rapid release cycle, having had or preempted it or laid the the groundworks for it, I guess, um, with 10 weeks of weekly rapid release. So the prices are going up now and, and let's see if we can start to squeeze that income up a little bit more. Now, uh, that, that's what I'm trying to do. I want to increase the income from those books now. So I don't want to price them too high, um, but I do want to price them high enough so I can take a bit more cash from them um, so that we're taking 70% royalties. Because as you can see, the problem is we've shifted a lot of books but it would have been a not a lot nicer if I'd have been taking one pound fifty or you know two dollars something from from that. That that income would have been a lot nicer. So anyhow, that, you know, I'm 
I'm messing around with things. I'm trying different things. Let, let's see if that income starts to grow a little bit more from next month. And I will, of course, give you an indication about that in these diaries. And um, something else I wanted to mention to you this week is because I had released my Benidorm book, Friends Who Lie, I decided this week to send some targeted adverts to a people in the UK who've expressed a an interest in the resort of Benidorm, but also people in Benidorm, people living in a radius of Benidorm who are native um, or who, who have as their language UK English. Uh, basically, I'm trying to target um, UK expats. That's what I was after with that. And it's very interesting. Those ads have gone well straight away. Um, very interesting. And I've been getting on the Benidorm ads, I've been getting threepence a click, which is fascinating. Now, here is the power of Facebook advertising. Now, I have to tell you a little bit of a story about this, just so that you get the context of this. Before I started writing, I was a limited company when I was doing internet marketing. And when I started writing, I knew my income would, would go down because I was pivoting my business. And so I went to a sole trader. It was just a lot easier to be a sole trader um, when when the income had gone down. So I went to sole trader status. And what that meant is that I, I parted ways at that point with my accountant, because when I was a limited company, I think I was running two, two limited companies and an LLP, I think, at one time through this accountant, because we had different internet marketing projects going. So I, I had an accountant. Now, that accountant was a lady that I knew who lived in Cumbria, who lived in Barrow in Furness, which is quite a long way from Carlisle, but um, it's where I used to work for the BBC many years ago in Barrow and Furness. And um, she was a local accountant. Uh, she was very, very good. She runs a really good business. I'd also met her through Nigel Botterill's networking. So um, she was a business owner who was you know, very geared up to uh, making her business the best that it could be and using great internet marketing strategies. So she, you know, she's a great marketer. She runs her business along best practice lines. And I, uh, she did my books for me. Uh, and also I knew her um, through this um, Nigel Botterill, whose events we both sort of attended and consumed. So um, a little while ago, I happened to clock that she had moved to Benidorm and she'd moved to Benidorm because she was running her Barrow in Furnace business remotely. So, you know, they say, um, don't be employed in your business. You know, you need to manage your business. Don't You don't need to be employed in it. And this is one of the things we do with our books that we, um, you know, books are quite labor intensive in that we have to write them. But when we've written a book, it becomes an evergreen income asset. It becomes an asset that could create an evergreen income. That's a better way of saying that. So I could write a book and that could be earning me income for years and years and years. And even after my death, I could then have an estate. It becomes an asset for me. And so although um, writing a book is quite labor intensive, it's a great thing to do if you have that aptitude because it can be earning you money for years and years and years and years. It can earn you money now, it can earn you money later, and it can earn your family um, money as well. But also it can be reskinned in a number of ways. Uh, a book can be sold in different languages, in different territories. It could be turned into an audio book, a hardback book, a paperback book. It could be turned into a film. It could be turned into a play. There are, you know, there are all sorts. It could be turned into a game. So, you create this one asset that is evergreen and, and it can create an income for you. And this is, this is, um, you know, good business thinking. And, and this is why I moved to writing rather than internet marketing. The problem with internet marketing was is that although it could make you a lot of money in a quick time, um, you were constantly a slave to the next product that you were selling because things went out of date so quickly. You'd sell a product, you might do quite nicely out of it, but then you had to make another product. And, and I realized pretty soon with internet marketing that my life was going to be three month product release cycles, um, you know, for the rest of my life. And you weren't building anything that was an asset there. Uh, you're only as good as your last launch. And I, I pretty quickly thought, Oh no, <laughs> I'm not doing this. You know, this is, this is not the model for me. And that's when I switched to, to writing books, which is a much happier model for me. Anyhow, I digress. So I happened to put these Benidorm adverts on Facebook this week. And then I, I got a notification that I got a comment. And the comment was from this lady's mother who had seen my book being advertised and had done an app mention on Facebook to draw it to the attention of her daughter, my former accountant. And I recognized the name and I did a comment and said, oh, hello, we, we know each other. You know, we're both, we're all from Cumbria. And this lady said, well, I, I know you too. Um, 
and now, so there's the lady. I don't want to give names away because I, I, I don't want to, you know people to, to track all of this. But there's the lady who was my accountant and her mother, and they both both moved over to Benidorm together, and they both live out there. And the lady um, runs her business remotely from from Benidorm. She has somebody managing the office, uh, you know, but and she works on her business, but without actually having to be in her business, which is which is a beautiful business model. And so it turns out that her her mum. I interviewed her years ago when I worked at the BBC, uh, when I, when I was living in Barrow in Furness. Apparently, um, and I, you know, I've done so many interviews, I, I can't really remember them. I usually say to people, can you re- remind me what it was about? Then, then I can remember it. Uh, but apparently we did an interview in a church in a place called Dalton in Furness, which is near Barrow in Furness. And it was many, many years ago. It would be 1991, 92, probably, which was when I was down in Barrow. And I'd interviewed not only, you know, I'd interviewed this lady, uh, this lady's mother, and I know this lady. Now, how is that for the, the power of Facebook? Because it helped me target. I mean, they're, they're exactly my audience, British expats, you know, pe- people who are living in Benidorm. And I just happen to know them as well. <laughs> and they happen to know me. Oh, I love, you know, I love Facebook for that. And again, I'm going to talk to you more about Facebook next week, but you know, I've, done some serious ranting about Facebook and I will continue to rant about Facebook the way that they can just you know pull the blanket from underneath you and they won't give you any mercy or they won't give you any fair hearing because you you know what I felt about them blocking my ads account but I, I got to tell you again this is a plot spoiler for next week Facebook ads are blooming brilliant um you know they're, they're doing they're doing really well and I think probably bringing in the bulk of the traffic for this this rapid re-release Again, I'll talk to him in more detail next week, but I love having Facebook ads again. I'm, I've spent a lot of money on them, so I'll, give, I'll tell you how much I've spent next week. Uh, not as much as somebody like Mark Dawson spends, but I have spent quite a lot of money on Facebook ads. And the reason for that is they're doing really well. I'm getting very cheap clicks. Um, so they're the thing that's working best for me. And, you know, look at that. It found the proverbial needle in a haystack by finding two people I know who are British expats living in Benidorm. What a small world it is. And by the way, I'm not targeting people I know who are in my circle. They were targeted as people who I don't know. So, uh, you know, there, there was none of that going on either. Okay, so let's get on to some general news. And um, depending on when you downloaded the podcast last week, um, you may have got like a pause that lasted for about 20 seconds to half a minute. If you if you were if you were very quick to download it, then you'd have heard the pause. But if you got the later version, you wouldn't. Now, um, don't worry, I hadn't fallen asleep or turn myself comatose from my own podcast, what I'd actually done is missed an edit. And um, you won't be surprised to hear that I was about to say somebody's name, had completely forgotten what the name was, and had had to consult Twitter to work out who I was supposed to be talking about. And so all it was was a pause where I'd gone to click, 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 um, and then just left a pause while I worked out what, what I should have been talking about. And I missed the edit. And so there was just this like 30 second pause. So no, I hadn't fallen asleep. I wasn't dead. I wasn't comatose. I just missed uh, an edit last week. Um, if you didn't hear the pause, then, uh, or if you were indeed asleep or comatose at the time and missed it because of that, um, then, you know, don't worry. Uh, it was just uh, a bit, an edit that I'd missed. But um, I always live in fear. I don't, I don't cuss very often, but you know, sometimes if you're up against it and, and you make a mess of this diary, you might occasionally get a cuss, which I have to edit out. And uh, I live in fear of living a cuss, leaving a cuss word in there by accident. So touch wood, I haven't done that yet. Uh, talking of my bad memory, I have now in front of me, you can hear it here, got a piece of paper on which the title of the book I'm currently writing, Truth Be Told, is written, because I'm so sick of hearing myself forget what the title of that book is. So um, it's written down now until it's ingrained in my mind. Um, But I was very much relieved this week. This is nothing to do with writing. It's more to do with my memory. But I found an article online. It came up in one of my Facebook feeds that says uh, it's about a memory study that says being forgetful helps you to make smarter decisions. And this whole article says that basically, if you're a bit forgetful about small things, i.e. the title of the book that you've just been writing on half an hour, writing half an hour ago, if you forget those small things, you're supposed to be smarter. Now look, 
I don't know whether there's any truth to this survey or not, but I'm going to hang on to it for dear life. Um, but I've shared that survey. If you're a bit like me and you kind of forget small things, then I've put the link to that survey on this week's uh, show notes. But I, I maintain that my brain is now full. When you're an old gipper like me, I'm sure my brain's full. And that if you could see it, um, every time I learn a new fact, I'm sure it goes in one ear. The new fact goes in one ear and an old fact drops out the other ear. Um, because my brain is now full, I'm convinced of it. But apparently, you know, that's not a sign of forgetfulness. That actually means I'm smart, according to this article. So if you want to see the proof, <laughs> I'm not convinced either. Uh, I've put that article on this week's show notes for episode, what episode are we? 178. You see, that means I'm smart. I'm recording the episode. I told you about it about half an hour ago. I told you what number it was. And still, I forgot what episode it was. Okay, so from that particular um, article, I just wanted to share a little tip with you this week. Again, this came up in my Facebook feed, a new piece of writing software, and it's quite hard to say actually, but it's called, I think it's pronounced Granthika or Grantika, Granthika. I put the link on the show notes, um, but it's a brand new writing software. And I have to tell you that I'm in the market for um, a, a, something to replace Scrivener. It's not that I'm unhappy with Scrivener, but I... Over this year, I want to find a writing software that is as good as Scrivener. This is what the problem is, but that will allow me to write on a PC or in the cloud. That's what I'm after, a cloud-based writing software where I can write offline as well. That's effectively what I'm saying to you. And I haven't found one yet that I like. And so I'm in the market for a new one. And so I've downloaded this. Now I downloaded this software onto my computer, but uh, if you remember rightly, guess what my computer has done? It's completely clapped. So while I downloaded it, I can't actually look at this software at the moment until I'm in my computer. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to having a proper look at it. Um, so I don't know whether it's good or bad or indifferent, but I thought I'd mention it to you because it is a brand new software. And I also am trying desperately to remember um, that there is a Save the Cat software as well. That also came up in my Facebook feed. Now, the problem with that one, the Grand Thika one, or Tika, however you say it, uh, that one you're allowed a free trial of, but the Save the Cat software, you have to put your credit card in. So when I when I trial the, uh, the Save the Cat software, I need to make sure that I don't just install it and then forget about it. I need to actually sit down and give it a try. So I've parked that one until I've finished writing this book. But have you got the Save the Cat software? Have you tried it or used it? If you have, I'd be interested to know what you think of it. Uh, the other thing I, I'd be interested to hear is if you've got a cloud-based system that you use for writing that is like Scrivener. It's a proper one that allows me to do character profiles and move things and drag and drop them around and also to have location details um, that also works online and offline. Now, I have had a look at Story Shop. I actually paid for Story Shop, which is the one that's done by the Story Studio guys, or it used to be done by the Story Studio guys. I've never really got on by that. I'm kind of waiting for them to keep iterating that. I think they'll get there, but it's not quite there yet. I don't want to use it at the moment. Um, I will have another look at that before my current year-long uh, subscription expires on that. But um, yeah, I'm in the market in the next year. There's no rush for it because I'm quite happy with Scrivener, but I am in the market for something that I can take with me on a laptop. Um, so if you've got any tips, uh, let me know. This is, I think this is the third or the fourth week that I've mentioned this, but you know, I said, I think it was last week or the week before, I said that to keep myself in bed and sleep, I'm listening to podcasts while I'm asleep or half asleep or drowsing. And last night I was listening again to the Six Figure Author podcast, which again this week is absolutely excellent. I was also listening to an episode, this week's episode of The Right as well, which is also excellent. I'll talk to you about those in a moment. But they were both brilliant episodes. And yet again, because they're speech only, I kept drifting off. And they're brilliant episodes. And I kept hearing stuff and thinking, oh, that's really good. That's really good. I must remember that. And then I'm asleep again. And then I wake up in the middle of it. And then, oh, this is a good episode. This, oh, I've missed half an hour. And then I fall asleep again. So although it's excellent for staying asleep, it's terrible for retaining the information in the podcast. A very inefficient way of listening to podcasts. But these two episodes are so good. I've put the direct show links onto this week's uh, show notes on episode 178. So it's Write As Well episode 148. And the question they're discussing is, what does financial independence mean to you? Really good episode with some great resources. And then the Six Figure Author podcast, which is just, I know I keep saying it, but it's just brilliant. You must listen to it if you haven't. And their episode 11 is Thinking Like a Business, Marketing on a Budget, Hiring Helps, and Tip From, I, don't, I can't remember what the WGM stands for, but 
the WGM Business Masterclass. And this is the masterclass that Joanna Penn's just about to, to write some notes about. Effectively, one of the three authors, and I, um, and I can only ever remember uh, Lindsay Baroka, is it? Um, this, the three authors who make up the um, Six Figure Author podcast, one of them went to this business masterclass and the other two are asking her questions about it and the information that she's getting about business building is just it's just brilliant it's priceless and gold dust so if you're serious about this this lark of writing um both of those episodes episodes are really good you know financial independence that's what we want to build through our books it's what i was talking about having evergreen business assets this is why we're doing it or i hope this is why we're doing it we're not just doing it for the glory i hope you're doing it to build um you know assets that will serve you financially for years to come and also some great business tips well for, for, for the bit that I was awake for and again remember being awake is no reflection of the quality of the podcast it's just a reflection of how tired I am at the time I'm listening to it a brilliant podcast which I'm going to go back and listen to from the six-figure authors so the direct links are on the show notes and another podcast that I was listening to this week that I want to share with you. I only share this uh, occasionally with you, but you know that I'm a big fan of the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast with Rob Moore. And this is something that I discovered through, uh, you know, pro pro an interest in property investing. And, um, and Rob also does kind of, um, I'm connected to Rob through podcasting and things like that. So it's just, uh, you know, it's a, a source of, of information that you probably would, wouldn't necessarily be on your radar is what I'm saying. Um, but I, I, I listen to Rob and consume his entrepreneurial content and his marketing content. That's what I'm primarily interested in. And every now and then I hear an episode that I want to share with you. And he does these things called Rob's Rants, which are just about, you know, 10, 11 minute episodes. And his rant this week is a no BS view on criticism. He's talking about what happens when we get criticism. And it came at an interesting time. Because as I said to you last week, you know, I'd had this one star review and this person just didn't like the book. They just really didn't like the book. It's not a lot you could do about that. Um, you know, if somebody criticizes your book, gives it a one star and says it's full of spelling mistakes, it's full of inaccuracies. You know, if you get that kind of criticism, that's something that's black and white. You could do something about that. You, just, you know, if I had that kind of criticism, I'd go straight back and I'd make the changes. And that's one of the joys of self-publishing. But if somebody just really doesn't like the story, there's not a lot you could do about that. Um, and so this episode from Rob is about how to deal with criticism and how to turn it into something positive. So um, again, I've put a direct link on this week's show notes because I think that's interesting. I think it's very pertinent uh, for those of us who are writing. If you've ever had a one or a two star review and you felt like you need to go off and lick your wounds, then I think it's a really good listen for you. Uh, don't be put off by the heavy metal music at the beginning and the end. Uh, it's funny when Rob's podcasts coming in my queue they always wake me up with the heavy metal <laughs> the heavy metal music at the beginning I almost jump out my skin uh, because the podcasts are playing even though I'm dozing and drifting in and out of them so don't be put off by the heavy metal and uh, you know Rob's got quite an in-your-face uh, presentation style but just listen to the content because the content's really good on there I think that is a particularly strong episode Okay, we're nearly at the end of this week's show. I've just got a couple of uh, mentions to give. Uh, Edwin Downward has posted on Twitter this week, uh, who didn't get to any of his reg regular places this week for an autumnal shot. So took a walk around uh, a car park. He's in a car park um, while he was waiting to pick up his daughter. And um, he's in a, a car park. It's at night. And um, there is an observation, Edwin, that I want to make, that when you took me the image of the car park the other week with the autumnal trees in the background. The car park was empty and you're in another car park. You might actually be the same car park from a different view, I'm not sure, but you're in another car park at the moment and that car park is also empty. So I can only conclude from this that all car parks in Canada are empty, that wherever you want to get parked in Canada, there's always a space because Edwin's pictures suggest that's the case. So um, thank you very much for that, Edwin. And also, I've got another uh, tweet from Daniel Sewell and Daniel uh, travels around uh, you know, teaching about writing. So he has this interesting sort of life where he's traveling to different places. And this week he's tweeted me to say, working in beautiful autumnal Stirlingshire, writing my next horror novel before and after work in my hotel, listening to the new Stephen King audio book and reading Dave Gochran's Bookbub ads book. Also thinking that Dave Gochran would be a great guest 
on my podcast. Now, uh, this is interesting for a number of reasons. Number one, because Stirling University, which is where I think you are, uh, Stirling University has beautiful grounds, uh, so autumn will look lovely. And it um, and Stirling in itself, of course, is you know uh, surrounded by beautiful countryside. It's also interesting because Stirling University was on my radar because they've just started in the last couple of weeks a park run around their beautiful campus. And um, also, I just sent a note back to Daniel to say, oh, by the way, I have had Dave Gochran on the podcast. It was quite early on. It, it was be about two and a half years ago. I think I interviewed Dave at the very first, I think it was the first ever York Writing Festival that I went to, which would be a few years ago now. And I interviewed Dave in person. Um, but I, I wrote back to Daniel to say, well, yes, if I, well, if I ever start the interview episodes again, and this is one of the things I am considering uh, when I, I kind of have a think about things for 2020. Obviously, Dave Gochran is somebody I want to speak to, too, because life has changed so much and Dave has changed what he's doing since then. And Dave, you know, he's a great person to speak to about book ads, about Amazon ads and about Facebook ads, because, again, is it the last month? Certainly, maybe the last three weeks, Julie Stock sent us her excellent email about how she has managed to achieve some great sales on her book. And she attributed part of her success recently to Dave Gochran's weekly emails explaining how to use Facebook ads in your business. So yeah, very much. Dave Gochran is always one of those guys that you want to get on a podcast. I'm not doing interviews at the moment, but he's absolutely, he'll always be on the list. He's one of those recurring people that you can talk to once every year and get great value from him. So if I do return to the interview episodes, I'll put Dave on the list and we'll have a catch up with him because you know I, I'm quite keen on having a catch up with him too. So thank you very much, Edwin and Daniel, for keeping in touch via Twitter. That's always appreciated. And um, I think we're getting to the stage with autumn now where, well, certainly where I live, it might be a bit colder further north in Cumbria, but the leaves are almost off the trees now. And it's time, they're getting all uh, slippery now. And it's time for them to get them swept up um, to make the pavement safe because the pavements are getting quite slippery now. That's the bad bit of autumn and they all get start to rot on the pavements and the council haven't cleaned them up. But they do look beautiful when they're dry and they fall, I always think. Okay, so that is it for this week's podcast diary. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that when I speak to you next week, I'm going to be on my main PC and not still working on this laptop. Hopefully you won't particularly notice much difference as far as your listening experience is, is concerned. Don't forget that as next week's episode, as part of my update next week, I'm going to have a summary of the things that I have learned from 10 consecutive weeks of rapid release. But remember, it's not over yet. All we do on Monday, that's week 10 of weekly rapid releases. And then from Monday, 28 days time, I'll be releasing Circle of Lies, which is the book I get back from Julie sometime next week for my final edit. So the rapid release continues. We just alter the gear from next Monday. So I will have another diary update for you next Saturday. I'm off to Berlin for a couple of days. Really, really looking forward to that. I've got a PC to sort out in the meantime, but whatever's happening in your writing life, I hope you have a fabulous week of writing. Speak to you next Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.